From the composer of the theme to CBS's Chaos, in honor of Hercules, what movie, scene, or moment will you actually give Brett Ratner a little credit for? I'm Katie Rich, and his short in New York, I Love You, was just fine. I'm Dave with the Seven, and Red Dragon, mostly because Manhunter by Michael Mann, was based on the same book and was entertaining in its own right, so a workmanlike reinterpretation of the story through Silence of the Lambs was also fine. Holy shit. Uh, I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with all of Tower Heist, which is actually really fun and enjoyable, but more specifically Alan Alda in Tower Heist. And I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with the photo that Brett Ratner posed for with Michael Haneke at the Golden Globes that one time. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 32 for Tuesday, July 22nd, 2014. Before we get into this week's episode, we have some iTunes reviews from you guys, which we're extremely excited about and David is going to read and maybe mangle your names, maybe not. Yeah, we have four new iTunes reviews and I think for the sake of people listening to our current episode, it's probably wise not to read them all. So if uh, on weeks like this, when we are fortunate enough to, to have you guys write in, we may pick just our favorite ones, but all of your iTunes reviews are very much appreciated and help us find new listeners because that's how it works. But uh, my favorite review this week is definitely from DrewB346, who says, This review is a poem. A long time ago when I was a much younger man, in parentheses, about two years younger to be exact, I reviewed the old podcast and started stated that it was good, but Patches was sometimes really annoying. Well, oh, I remember that one. Well, don't we all? In the following two years... I have grown to love Patches and oh consider him a vital part of the team. So sleep well, Matthew. Some guy on the internet appreciates you. And consider Aww. this review my formal apology. I'm getting a little weepy. I'm get I'm, wow. I'm happy for that. You didn't I'm, say you were you were like an exceptional part of the team. It's a vital <laughs> one. It's the way you're you're necessary. Well, I've crawled out of being useless and, and terrible. So we all it's have like goals. the end of Rudy, it's, you guys. It's like, I feel good about everything. Like being in my also, family. I will thank on behalf of the team, Tweety Malloy Butler, Brian Zitzelman, and Brown's Review, who also had Lovely things to say, and thank you very much for doing so. And uh, leave a review on our iTunes page, Fighting in the War Room, and maybe we will read your review next week. Uh, so if you exist on the internet, you're probably aware that Weird Al Yankovic has put out a new album called Mandatory Fun. Uh, I think it's the final album in like an eight-album contract he had that lasted since the late 80s. He's just been a slave to his record company, uh, despite times a-changing and, and the way people put out music changing drastically and realistically not complying with what he does, uh, you know, trying to do a 12-song album every few years and staying topical and, and staying funny. It's very difficult, and I think he's seen that pressure over the years. Um, but his new album... 
the way he's conducted business still has very relevant songs, including um, Handy, which is a, an Iggy Azalea parody of, of her song Fancy, and a number of other things that are relevant, plus some originals and plus some polka, which you absolutely need because it's a weird <laughs> out album. Um, but what I find really interesting is, is going back to this idea that is Weird Al still relevant? Is Weird Al funny? Because I've seen a lot of people come out of the woodwork um, because Weird Al has taken the strategy to releasing eight videos over eight days and really injecting himself into internet pop culture talk in a way that I could never have imagined. I mean, being a weirdo who listened to Weird Al for you know almost his entire life, uh, it's never been this popular at least from my vantage point, and maybe maybe the internet... Not even the Pretty Fly for a White Guy days? No, not I, I really don't think so. Or Pretty maybe Fly for even, a Rabbi? Even, even earlier than that. I mean, see, that's the thing, the cool thing about Weird Al, is, like, when he was back parodying things, the original Transformers were on, and, like, we could, like, cycle through IP things, and it feels weird and hollow, but this is genuinely a person who's, like, sort of reflecting cycles back at us, and it's really, I don't know... I have a lot of respect for Weird Al, and I don't want to make too many generalities because I know I really appreciate joke music when it's done by people who are really smart. Like, I think that's the dividing line for me between something that, like, is a little too Bloodhound Gang and Weird Al. <laughs> it's like Wait, I never realized that Bloodhound Gang was a joke. They're not a joke, the are they? Seriously. They have funny you songs. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. It's so, I mean, that was yeah. that was that was their pop. Two hit, thumbs up, like, as Ebert and Siskel would give it. Yeah, that's yeah, a great. Their song. acapella song, "You're Pretty," when you know. Um, I thought they just did sketches. They did stuff like that, but it was like a more sort of like crass humor, or like the stuff that your friends do because they think they know how to play guitar. Like that's what the dividing line is. Like you could apply intelligence to that and become like a weird owl, or to a lesser degree, a tenacious D. Or, you know, basically you're the musical parts of Monty Python being made into an album because there's, like, that sort of level of comedy behind it. And so it's nice that Weird Al's form is really difficult to master, but he's also, like, super smart. So he's able to take, you know, the lemons of a record contract in this outdated format and turn it into lemonade of just realizing that if the world's on the internet, he's just going to like appear everywhere simultaneously and hope that shifts just the consciousness. And I think it's also stirring up a lot of nostalgia in people, like uh, probably Patches. I don't want to say that you don't like the music, but I think it's also some nostalgia. It certainly is for me. But what's the nostalgic people. value of it? That's what I don't understand. I mean, I've, I've, always, I've always enjoyed Weird Al's music, and it's not revelatory, but it's odd... Uh, oddly enough, I will go to bat for Weird Al in discussions with people. Like, I, I had a conversation once with a girl. Now, admittedly, we were probably a little drunk at this point, but she was talking As all about... As in all your conversations. Yes, exactly. She was, uh, she's a very big fan of Tina Fey, and, like, she's one of the most important voices in comedy. And I, my comeback to that was, like, yes, I do think Tina Fey's really important, and she's probably just as important as Weird Al. Now, I'm probably <laughs> missing some steps to how we got to that point, but when I started equating <laughs> Tina Fey and Weird Al, this girl went ballistic, partially because, you know, it's like, we need to stick up for Tina Fey because Tina Fey is a female voice and Weird Al is just another white guy doing what he do. But um, I, re I really do think that Weird Al does something that other people have not been able to accomplish, and he does it on multiple levels. It's not just writing parody songs. It's making videos that really click with that, and it's writing original songs. I mean, one of the songs... 
one of my favorite songs on this new album, Mandatory Fun, is this song Jackson Park Express, which is just this nine-minute rambling tune about uh, taking a road trip or taking a train trip. Um, and it, it reminds me of one of my favorite songs he's ever done, Albuquerque, which is an 11-minute song that is just and it's it's like a musical stand-up act. It's insane. It's just storytelling to the extreme um, set to his crazy accordion tunes. Uh, so I, I enjoy his comedy, which is weird. Like, people are kind of suggesting now that uh, Weird Al being so mainstream this week, he's no longer weird, right? He's just kind of another player in the in the YouTube comedy scene. Um, but I do think he's very strange. I mean, he's doing songs about grammar. He's doing songs about his his Lord parody that's on this album. Oh, my God. Foil that's, the, is, that's the one I wanted to bring up. It's really strange. I mean, it's for, it's just about foil in the beginning. It's, you think it's another Weird Al song about food, which uh, we know there are many. Um, and then all of a sudden it's about like conspiracy theories and putting foil on your head and being a crazy person. And I just thought that was a weird twist. And I, I feel like he's always done that, even when but he's what talking about, about Star Wars that or that song food, for a second time? What? What about when you listen to foil for a second time? I haven't, you know I haven't had that experience the, yet. Uh, I'm not years away from it at this point. I, but but I mean, also no, this week... No, I don't week, mean years away. I mean literally the second time you listen to the song. No, and you what? know, and you know what what it's about, and you sort of know the joke. I mean, if you're actually listening to the song and not like well, I do have video, oh yeah, that's a good patch. Oh well, I was I was gonna say, and this might make me seem like the whitest person ever, but I also enjoy hearing an alternative style of music. I enjoy hearing a Lord song performed by Weird Al, or I enjoy oh, hearing Tacky, no, the Pharrell. The Pharrell cover of Happy. I like I, I like hearing this nasally weird owl voice with accordions playing these songs or putting these songs into polka medleys. That is not what I was going I, to say. I know, I know it's not <laughs> what you were going to say, but I was just, I wanted to respond to David that, that, that I get some satisfaction out of hearing these songs covered by Weird Al with these weird lyrics uh, again and again because of what he brings to them musically. So it's not just a comedy thing anymore. It's actually about Weird Al performing these songs because he's a proficient uh, accordion player. He's a great musician. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that. For me, it's once again more of like a comedy structure thing. It's like I would pose to you, why would you ever listen to like a, you know, Bill Cosby or Louis C.K. album ever again after the first time? And it's just sort of like knowing the punchline isn't necessarily what all the comedy form is. Sometimes yeah, but it a is. Louis C.K. bit is not somebody else's bit in a higher, more nasal register with different words. Oh. It's unique content. I'm not, I, I, you know, I feel about Weird Al the same way that Hansel feels about Sting. You know, like, I do I listen to his music? No. But the fact that he's out there making it, I respect that. You know, I, I don't. I for don't someone who loves feel... puns, I'm surprised that you don't have a little more respect for Weird Al and, and his parody. I, just, I feel about Weird Al. Also, I should, after having just said something, you know, a sentence that started with those words, uh, a way, the way that some of my female friends do about Lena Dunham, which is like I could be doing that, but you know what? I don't want to be. Um, they wow. may get more enjoyment out of girls than than I than I do out of Weird Al, Al Yankovic's music. Uh, you know, even when I was a kid and I used to listen to it frequently, I don't think I ever found it funny. It was just maybe more accessible to me than the music well, that he not, was mocking. It's not laugh out loud funny. I don't think I've ever thought, except for maybe Albuquerque, uh, that it's been laugh out loud funny. His but does everything though, need to be? His parodies preclude me from having the interest 
to discover music like Albuquerque. Um, for I have no interest, especially now that he's sort of this having a little bit of a resurgence on the internet, uh, where all of the things that he's releasing on a day by day basis have been made available to me via various social media channels. I mean, I, I I admire the guy for what he's been able to do. I think it's great that somebody is out there doing that. I'm not sure uh, the value that it has in my life. Um, I watched the the Iggy Azalea parody, and I made it about 90 seconds in. Um, I just, I don't know. Life's well, I too think short. That, I think I'm probably closer to, to David than to Patches. Like, I like Weird Al just fine. I've never given him a ton of thought. But I have been surprisingly glad to see him back here. I think just for the fact that he's still able to get out there and rule the internet. There's been so many. I mean, think of all the Blurred Lines parodies we had last summer. They were just everywhere. And that kind of thing goes viral on the internet all the time. And he uh, comes back and does basically exactly what he's been doing since the 80s and kind of proves that But that's still why convert. his parodies feel, at least for the internet, they feel definitive um, because he has that pedigree. Uh, I don't think people even, you, you know, they ex- they know what to expect. And there's as long as it as long as it clears that very low bar of what to expect from a Weird Al parody. Of, I think that's a little um, reductive. Then, I think the pedigree is one thing, but it's also the time and effort put into it. In YouTube culture, where every, and a parody can be filmed over a weekend, and you can be writing these songs, and you're just trying to get the YouTube views. There's there's a little more artistry in what Weird Al does to like he's he's not just churning it out he's perfecting it and putting in it what, out there. In what way? Can you expand on that for someone who uh, does not see that? Well, I think the Blurred Lines parody is perfect because here's something that really bugs him or here's something that he is really obsessed and geeky about grammar um, and and making a song that's both. Uh, riffing on the on the words and perhaps the misogyny of blurred lines as seems to have come to light in the last year and, and for some reason accelerated in the last few months. I don't r- understand why Robin Thicke is back in conversation. Uh, that's uh, because uh, uh, a Patches, yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Released, yeah. He, yeah, he released a new album that's called Paula in a very oh, transparent uh, yeah. effort to win his new his ex wife back. But no, but people are back to blurred lines in the UK. <laughs> no, I know. I heard that horrible song, but he, we're back on blurred lines. <laughs> Anyway, I just think he took that song to task in a in a way that's still him. It's still driven by his personality and obsession. So he's going to teach you. He's going to make you a better person, intellectual. He's going to raise grammatical questions when he takes on blurred lines. Uh, so it's not schlock. This isn't like mashing up two geek properties and throwing it on the internet and watching Tumblr catch on fire. This <laughs> is still Weird Al, and people are like a little shocked that there's an educational slant to this song or as katie was mentioning or katie you should talk about foil because you were particularly struck by that one oh, but that's well, another gonna... one that's like you hear the punchline. and to address your point david i think i could listen to it again almost for what dave was saying because i i like the form and even though i know what's coming i like what's coming i like the joke well, I was going to say foil, but I think you kind of said what I wanted to say. But uh, in Tacky, the Pharrell parody, it was just kind of like super easy video. They're all wearing ridiculous outfits. You kind of think that's where it's going to go. But then he brings up all these etiquette things like taking selfies at funerals and not writing thank you notes and things like that. And I was like, you know what? He's kind of being an old man and sticking it to the kids who don't know their manners. But stop taking goddamn selfies at funerals. I like that. It or Auschwitz. Or Auschwitz. <laughs> or Auschwitz. Jinx. Forget about that. Auschwitz jinx. Yeah, everyone likes making Auschwitz Hashtag jokes. Auschwitz jinx. Yeah, so just stuff like that kind of similar to the point that you're making like it's not mean and what i think we both like about weird al is that he's not really mean but he's just you know trying to make the world a little bit better place to uh wrap up i I just want to say two things one i think my long-lasting love for weird al comes from him winding up he he ends up introducing 
me to music, at least young me, definitely. Maybe that's a nostalgic factor, Dave. Uh, I don't think I would have listened to Devo or The Kinks if I didn't hear uh, Dare to be Stupid or Yoda first, to be quite honest. Um, And two, everyone should watch, if you've never seen this before, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, this uh, Funny or Die sketch that Aaron Paul is in. Aaron Paul plays Weird Al going through, like, a drug problem and breaking up with his girlfriend and being it's it is a parody of all these sad mopey musical act uh biopics and it is hysterical um so weird al mandatory fun it's on spotify listen to it i i would be interested to hear people's thoughts now that we're getting away from this explosion on the internet with the eight videos eight days um and reflect as david has it's like suggested, hanukkah will people yeah exactly it was like hanukkah <laughs> I want to know uh, and from listeners if anyone, any of you are surprised that Matt Patches was into Brudel as a kid, because I'm betting nobody was surprised. This no. is why I'm the annoying one. Certainly not our reviewer. Who's... <laughs> New review next no, week. Do it all Patch- all, yes. I take it all back. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. I never seem to finish all my food. I always get a doggy bag from the waiter. So I just keep what's still unshoed And I take it home Save it for later But then I deal with fungal rot, bacterial formation Microbes, enzymes, mold and oxidation I don't care I've got a secret trick up my sleeve I never bother with baggies, glass jars, Tupperware containers Plastic cling wrap, really a no-brainer I just like to keep all my flavors sealed in tight with aluminum foil. So as we've done in the past, we are going to do a very quick Family Feud style mini segment trivia round, kind of trivia round. It's not there are no yes right or wrong answers. People it's are about us to, as people. Yes. Wonderful what would people. you say? And are you on the same page as everyone else? Um, so if you've seen the last segment of Family Feud, people go away. And then uh, one person answers my survey questions, and we bring people back and see if people match up or have absurdly different answers. Dave, you're going to go first. Katie and David, you are off podcast for a second. Take out your headphones. You are not listening so that Dave can give his answers in a vacuum, and we can all laugh. <laughs> Dave, are you ready? I'm going to give people like five to ten seconds to answer because you should not take long on these. Okay, okay. Okay, here we go. Yeah. And these are all summer movie 2014 related. Okay. All right, sounds good. I don't have to be right. You don't have to be have right. To be... We're going to move okay. on as soon as you give me an answer, right or wrong. There's no right or wrong answers. Got it. All right. One, name a summer movie character by name. John McClane. No, it's a fucking... Yeah, it was a summer movie, wasn't it? When it was summer movie 2014, fool. Oh, summer movie 2014. I'm going to give you one do-over. Thank you. Thank you very much. I didn't. Re- you, you only said summer movies. Not... <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, Play back okay. the tape. Anyway, summer movie character by name. Hurry. Caesar. Okay. Kind of counts. Um, uh, a movie He's a character. Uh, a mo- How dare you be racist <laughs> like that? A movie not based on any pre-existing material, 100% original for screen that came out summer 2014. Oh my god, Boy, you're running hey. out of time. Okay. Uh, a city seen under attack or already destroyed in a movie this summer. Chicago. A comedy released this summer. Uh, Neighbors. Uh, this summer movie season's most genuine moment. 
Godzilla uses his fire breath for the first time. <laughs> and and what movie do you think Jimmy Carter would have loved this summer? Actually, he probably has gone to see a lot of movies. So what what movie did Jimmy C- Carter love this summer? The Lego Movie. That's <laughs> came out in February, but that's your answer. That's great, Katie. Come back to the podcast. Come back. Okay, Katie, are you ready I'm for ready. this? Dave got yeah, some, I, got Dave got some wild answers here, and just so I'm trying to, I'm trying to say what Dave said, right? You can say your own things. I'm more interested in how people compare to these questions. But that's anyway. how bad my answers were. <laughs> Wait, matches yeah, change the rules. I of thought the whole, the whole game. point was that I was supposed to match what Dave said. Well, try and try and be yourself and match what Dave said. That doesn't. Sound There's two sets work. of rules. There is <laughs> there are no points in this game. It's only for my amusement. Okay. Oh, this is oh wow. So to okay. be 100 percent clear here. These are you have to answer from movies that came out in summer 2014, between okay. now and May. So the starting May. point being uh, uh, the first Spider-Man. week of May to now. Spider-Man. So Captain America doesn't count. Correct. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Name a summer movie character by name. Spider-Man. That is not his name. Uh, a movie not based on any pre-existing material, 100% original for screen that came out this summer. Tammy. Uh, a, a city seen under attack or already destroyed. San Francisco. Uh, a comedy released this summer. You can't repeat. Damn it. Uh, uh, Ride Along didn't come out this 22 Jump Street. Uh, this summer's, uh, the summer movie season's most genuine moment. Ooh. Uh... The very last scene of Boyhood. Oh, what movie do you think Jimmy Carter loved this summer? <laughs> Probably uh, uh, Don the Planet of the Apes. Great, David, get back like on this answer. podcast. I like my answer to the Jimmy Carter question. <laughs> I don't it will for forever. I don't think I have a great answer to that one. So, Spider Man is so his name. Hello, David. Yes. Okay, here we go. The survey questions for you now, and to be clear, once again. You can only answer with movies that came out between May and now. So summer 2014 only. I see. Okay, here we go. Name uh, a summer movie character by name. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, hang on. Uh, Tammy. There you go. Uh, A movie not based on any pre-existing material, 100% original to screen. There weren't any of those, were there? There were definitely those. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they, can be, they can be big or small movies. Anything. Anything that came out in the time period. Oh, my God. Uh, I just have such a terrible memory. Um, uh, Snowpiercer doesn't count. No, Godzilla definitely doesn't count. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> You're running um, out of time. Five, uh, uh, four, three. Wait, hang on. Three. <laughs> I don't I don't even. I have to just think of what even. You should know at least one. This This is is your whole. This is your Uh, whole angle. I'll go with. We'll go with magic in the moonlight. Oh my god! (laughs) Uh, A city seen under attack or already destroyed. Definitely San Francisco in Godzilla. A comedy released this summer. The trip to Italy. Uh, The summer's movie season's most genuine moment. Ooh, most genuine moment. Yes, this is very deep most genuine moment or it's not very deep at all maybe it's <laughs> just something that's you know, true. It was genuine uh despite my ambivalence with boyhood it would be hard to say that there are not many gen- genuine moments in there certainly none involving stepdads uh i will go with uh the the last 
scene in Blair. Oh, yeah, no, okay. Genuine's, and, genuine's uh, not the word I would use. Perfect, perfect. And your last question here is, what movie do you think Jimmy Carter loved this summer? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy Carter is alive, right? <laughs> he, he, I didn't say he, what he would have loved. What did he love? Jimmy Carter. Land Ho. Perfect. He watches a is lot of movies. Did you know that? Is this something we know the answer to? No. Like, has he talked about There's it? no okay. answer. No, there's absolutely no answer. Just Jimmy Carter oh, watches a lot of movies. That sounded like it was a question that had an answer. Well, it pro- I mean, uh, it does, technically. Uh, just to run down, you guys did not do very well. But you were yourselves. You were individuals. That's what really matters. That's what wait, I tried to explain to you. What is doing well? Is <laughs> doing that well is answers? having any matches and being okay. Wait, David and I had a match? I know. I know. I'm going to read okay, them right sorry, now. Spoiler. So here, here Dave's answers. <laughs> um, any summer movie character by name. Dave says Caesar. Katie says Spider-Man. Not, not a name. Not a name. David what? says Tammy. <laughs> Which technically, yeah. I don't know her last she name. She does have a last or... name. I couldn't for the life of me remember. Um, I thought someone was going to. What was uh, Mar- Mark Wahlberg's character from Age of Extinction? Oh, Kate Yeager. Oh, Kate Yeager. That's a perfect Kate one. Yeager. Uh, a movie not based on any pre existing material. Dave says Boyhood. Katie says Tammy. And David says Magic in the Moonlight, which Dave did, David, did you see Magic in the Moonlight? Yeah. What, what's your one-line review here? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. A city seen under attack or already destroyed. Dave says Chicago. Uh, Katie and David both say San Francisco. So you guys are in tune on that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a comedy release this summer. Dave remembers Neighbors. Mm. Katie, 22 Jump Street. Streep. I would see that movie as well. Um, and and David says trip to Italy, which is not out yet, uh, but I'm sure it will be around the corner. Uh, the summer movie season's most genuine moment. Dave goes with Godzilla fire breathing into the uh, Mutos for the first time. Yes. Of course he does. Uh, Katie goes with the last scene of Boyhood, and David goes with the last scene of Boyhood. Even though David disagreed with his answer, <laughs> he, he, actually, he doesn't think it's the most genuine moment of the summer, but it's fine. Just like Magic in the Moonlight. Um, and the movie you think Jimmy Carter loved this summer, Dave went with Lego Movie. which didn't. Yes. So Dave, Jimmy count. Carter has a really bad memory because that did not come out. No, he had to wait till it came out on DVD and someone had to go get it for him. That's like, true. Jimmy he Carter is a busy life. He can't that's, just go true, the that's true, that's yeah, true. Katie he, said... He's like Hugh Hefner. They watch it all in his home theater. Katie said Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. David said Land Ho, Ho Old People, Comedy... Probably he probably loved it, and and that rounds out family feud for uh, this week. Thank you all. Woo! So Woo! much feuding. Oddly enough, so the family feud section of Fighting in the War Room has the least amount of fighting. It's true. Yeah. Well, we're all we're all in the same family. Aww. So. Each mistake, oh, you forgave, and soon both of us learn to trust. I don't even know. I don't really have a way to start this other than, um, okay. Once I saw a movie called Doom, <laughs> and that had a gentleman that I knew only as a wrestler up until that point. His name was Dwayne Johnson, and I could smell what he was cooking. I thought that, you might know I thought that was going to be a limerick, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, wait. Am I doing the intro? I thought I was just joking. It might, that, that sounds like a great intro. So Dave has hit on uh, 
the the topic for segment three here, the rock. And um, I see, I personally do not smell what he is cooking anymore. I thought I knew what he was cooking. He's not cooking anything that I really care for, and uh, that surprises me um, because I had Let's a taste for out. it. Let's draw this out. Yes. <laughs> Good. Keep going. I'm sorry. I interrupted. I, I'm really trolling Katie here. Katie, uh, with Hercules Upon Us, a movie that they're not really showing um, critics except for maybe an hour before the first screening plays on Thursday people night. people are not going to be showing themselves. Yeah, and this movie is not looking like a huge success for The Rock. I don't know if he's ever really had a success. Why? Wait, I, I, I've, I success, thought I convinced like as a myself. star vehicle? Is that what we're talking about? What was that? You don't know if he's ever had a success like as the as like the above the title star? Is that I don't think he has, but I also don't think he's had a critical success either. Like what movie is The Rock actually good in? Where did he earn all oh. his goodwill? Why do we why do we want him to succeed or why do we think he has been succeeding when really this is all a lie? The Rock is not a good actor and he's not a good movie star. Wow. He's a, you know, it's funny that we're talking about it this week because I feel as if The Rock's appeal is not too far removed from weird Al Yankovic's in, <laughs> in how This is going to be great. Um, you know, I think it goes back to what Patch is saying about irony, and I think you know, it's very similar to how people appreciate Weird Al, and, and also nostalgia, and how he, I think The Rock is a throwback to uh, a simpler, sweeter time, a purer action vehicle, but he's also so likable and charming. I mean, I think the the main appeal for Weird Al for me is just that he radiates a certain niceness. No one has a bad thing to say about him. But I don't like and Weird Al ironically. I don't think anyone's saying I, they do. You're the one I, who's I, saying David said that. Ironically. You might not. Some people do. Uh, well, not ironically. I mean, okay, people don't... I, I, how to say? It's It's not that their like for Weird Al is ironic, but that they like him for how he mediates the songs, the culture that he's mocking. And I think The Rock is sort of a winking, tilted forehead nod to the Arnold Schwarzeneggers and, and the Expendables. There's a reason that he's not in the Expendables and not just because his star is on the rise and not fading. He's not an old man. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's also because I think that he would he would be like, giving the punchline to the joke in the middle of telling it. He sort of um, delivers the things that those movies are supposed to tweak, um, but does so with a, with a straight face. Uh, I, uh, so I think that I enjoy The Rock genuinely, but I don't think that he has the same sort of career that he does, if not for this previous generation of movies that his image implicitly riffs on. But he's not, yeah, he's not really part of that ilk either. There, yeah, uh, but not only like is he not part of the Expendables, he might have been if he wasn't in the Fast and Furious franchise, well, the most been... ironically enjoyed franchise of all. Well, uh, he wouldn't... Okay, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, okay, Fast and Furious being ironically enjoyed, I'm going to, that's a different argument for a different time. I don't think he would have been in the Expendables... I think he would have been in the Expendables if he hadn't learned to show a sense of humor for himself, which, you know, something that the like uh, the game plan and what the Tooth Fairy and stuff like that didn't do that good a job of. But he didn't get smart, which is the first time I remember really caring about him as an actor whatsoever. I think he showed that he has a charisma that doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with his muscles. It definitely plays off of it, as David was saying. Like, he doesn't exist without having an Arnold Schwarzenegger type to riff off of. But he proved that he could be funny and has a screen presence that 
doesn't just involve beating the shit out of each other, which is something that many, many action stars haven't been able to do. I mean, Jason Statham, I like Jason Statham a lot. He's not really funny. You don't want to watch him in romantic comedy or anything like that. And but he's Rock, a better he action star. He's a better uh, action star than The Rock. Jason Statham? He might be. I mean, and there, are be- there are people who are better actors than The Rock. When you said at the beginning, he's not a good actor and he's not a good movie star, I don't think those need- those are not the same thing. And I don't think he is necessarily that good an actor, though I think he's great in Pain and Gain. But I think he's a really good movie star. He's really good at holding the screen and making you follow whatever dumbass thing that he's supposed to be doing. Like, Snitch, this movie that came out last year, I guess, which is not especially good, and, you know, he's fine in it, but... He makes oh. you care about what his character is going through. My mom called me after she saw Snitch. She's like, I just saw this movie Snitch. It really made me concerned about some things about your generation. <gasps> I was like, wow. Oh. So see, The Rock appeals to moms and to wrestling fans. What more does he need? I didn't know it was supposed to be a movie you took that seriously, but... I didn't either. <laughs> well, I wish that The Rock... I mean, he is really great in Pain and Gain, and he is definitely in Southland Tales, which... Is fine, and you know I I like Southland Tales. I think that he, um, but the fact that he's in it and his performance in Pain and Gain make me wish that he were able to carve out a space where he can really spread his wings without the Michael Bay safety net. Now that he's a star to the degree he is, uh, to the degree he is, and and the performance of Hercules, which you know for all I know may do well, is sort of irrelevant because he'll be in Fast and Furious Seven, and while he'll feel like part of the ensemble, um, he won't feel like damaged goods. But well, he'll I, probably be even bigger part now that Paul Walker's gone. I would, I would perhaps. Imagine. But I mean, I wish that you know, you wish that you could that he you got the sense that he was even looking for the kind of role that would give him more dimension. But it also goes back to that thing. I was like, who am I to say what kind of career he should have? I don't know the guy. This is the kind of guy who like hears about Osama bin Laden being killed hours before everyone else because he's tapped <laughs> into the military. I mean, he he has a very different sense of. Uh, what he enjoys than I do, or what I would think would he would enjoy for him. And so, if he only wants to be in these giant action movies and continue riffing on his image, then but you he, know, who am I to say that he shouldn't? How, how can you despise these movies so much and say that? Like, how can you hear the, the Rock talk about wanting to? You know, he's been teasing throughout this whole Hercules press tour about like, get ready for my DC comic book superhero movie. That's what I'm going to do next. I don't pay attention to that shit. I know you don't, but the movies come out. The movies come out. But all, but like he's, we're talking about him as a person. You know, I like, uh, I, I always think he's a charming presence. When he's in bad things, I think it does tend to expose their badness in a way. I think the GI Joe movie even though the sequel even though i liked it more than most um just because i've seen him yeah i mean because i've seen what he can do and how involved he gets in uh higher end popcorn material it it did sort of expose the weaknesses of that movie um in a way that a lower rent star might not have but he's uh I, i think he he brings a lot of charisma to an industry that is really lacking for it right now in movies of that scale. And even though I think he would just, if he saw me and my body type, (laughs) he would, like, you know, hate me immediately. Uh, (laughs) I think that it's great that he's he's out there doing his thing. See, I I think that's something he'd he'd really uh, like you, I know. Well, if you ever follow him on Twitter, which obviously I follow him on Twitter, people are constantly, like, tweeting him photos of them, like, working out and him being like, you're doing great, buddy. Like, when Peter Serretta wrote his thing on Slash Film about him trying to lose weight, The Rock tweeted congratulations back at him. And I don't see it as, like, a beefy i mean it is kind of a beefy personal trainer thing but it's also just like a it's a good thing to do with your movie star power i don't care how genuine it is it feels like 
But it doesn't manifest on screen. Like he, yes, he has a great social presence. He he could be a Soul Cycle trainer, you know. Like ah, that's different than being a watchable movie star. I. I, But all you need, all you need to do is like him enough to want to give him another chance, which is a place that he turned for me, probably in between Southland Tales or or Get Smart and Fast Five, maybe somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see the Tooth Fairy, and I don't really remember the other guys that well. But like, at some he's really point, good in the like the ten minutes of the other guys that he's in. Yeah, but I definitely remember like the Scorpion King coming out and him being like horribly CGI'd and basically not getting to talk the entire movie. And so it's for me, it's like his goodwill manifested because I'm like, oh, this guy found a way to make casting directors not cast the wrestler that he'd been playing in another life, his first life. And instead, finally became this like sort of winking beefcake movie star actor, and like it, when he works really well and like paid and gain, I don't think he's that bad in GI Joe Retaliation. I think that whole movie kind of knows how ridiculous it is, and who better to star in a movie that knows how ridiculous it is than The Rock, who's just like he's gonna drive that I don't know what it, a hovercraft with a missile on the front of it with full conviction because <laughs> he's he's done stupider things with full conviction. I just I like I like him enough even in bad movies that I'll give his next thing a chance because I feel like there's just the right combination and he'll be used in the correct way not necessarily as a star but as like a (laughs) as a seasoning so every movie it's like well this wasn't as good as I was expecting because I like Dwayne Johnson off or out of the movies online but he's not really that good in anything but maybe his next one will be you're still like who could have been better in pain and gain who? I'm not going to be better as the constant flop sweating DE agent in Fast Five. No one. Yeah, who would go on the second journey to the mysterious island? But the, but the problem is, the Fast movies are failures. Like we, we're enjoying those ironically again, and I not think painting games. Not Fast what Five. Do you mean? Yeah. Fast Six. Like, and this is a, you know, people who defend Fast Six in light of Fast Five should be ashamed of themselves, but. Fast Five is genuinely Fast Five is two hours of garbage with an amazing movie. ending. We what? had an argument review yeah. episode where I kept trying to convince you that you were liking the movie, even though you said you hated it. I afterwards. was enraged. We, we I, you, you were laughing. <laughs> yeah, you were so happy during you that were... movie. No, I was laughing because I was in pain. I was surprised <laughs> when we came back and you were like, "I can't." I was like, "You." I sat next to a person who was having a great time. I was laughing because I was witnessing the downfall of humanity in this that, motion picture. You are so confusing. You sound like me, but <laughs> you sound like me. It. You're wrong. <laughs> I guess. Uh, let, uh, guess. And in pa- I have not watched Pain and Gain since it played in theaters. And okay, I do think. The Rock is, is funny in it, um, but he feels like this machismo puppet for Michael Bay. I mean, to lampoon without being aware. Like, there's no, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like The Rock's in on the joke here. He's just going along with whatever is being served up directorially speaking in this film. I don't see him enhancing anything, which is why when he goes off to be a leading man, I don't understand. Like, I, I have no excitement. I think that's a little bit fair. Like, no one's saying he should be winning awards for his portrayal of stuff, but considering the guy started as a professional 
a, a wrestler, if he could be used as an effective tool by a director, that's that's good. We want that, right? And also, it's okay to have someone who has good charisma that doesn't come out in every movie. Like, I also don't expect anything from Hercules. I'm seeing it partly, like, mostly out of loyalty and curiosity of what he's going to do. You but should I don't be expecting expect something. Yeah. You're not going to expect a, a large man who is capable of feats of strength. I yeah, think okay. that's a safe. He will be capable of feats of strength, but I don't think that takes away from what I do think he has been good in, which includes Pain and Game, which includes both fast movies. Other guys, Patches, you liked the other guys. He's good in the beginning of the other guys. He's not oh, he's good in the movie. Guys. He's in ten minutes of the movie and has a joke. That is he not what that's not jokes. a qualifier for being a good actor. So you're so what you resent is not him like being in these movies, it's that he's being kind of given leading man status, which you don't feel like he has earned. I just don't think he's really proven himself to carry a movie or be watchable in any of these parts. I think that the movies well, I mean, enhance him, and he's not bringing anything to them. And, you know, you I, when I hear him talking of, about okay. wanting to be an action hero, I'm like, why would I want to watch The Rock in a movie when I could watch Chris Evans carry a movie, for instance? Oh, totally I mean, different thing they're bringing to us. Like, but we don't make movies that The Rock should be starring in anymore. What? what? We are. You're... That's what you're complaining about. I mean, it's the we're, you're talking about a blockbuster culture that took Arnold Schwarzenegger and made him governor. Like <laughs> that that's the sort of thing that happens. That's like here's a physique that I need for my film. I need someone that's not going to screw it up that has this physique. You don't find dramatists who, you know, the, those the people who look like that don't get picked up enough in high school to be able to have real empathy with uh, like uh other Weird. humans? Yeah, other humans. They're like these, yeah, I don't know. Being a puppet for a, for a director isn't bad. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just that director's Brett Ratner. <laughs> Which we know he's done many good things, as we've listed in the beginning of the show. Um, I, I just want to know what gives you optimism for The Rock. What keeps you on board? It seems like, Dave, there's something. There's the outside forces what works for you. But, David, I don't understand how you can be on board with this and just, like, loathe universally blockbuster cinema as it stands now and still be excited well, by The I, Rock's your, presence. Your thesis is fundamentally flawed because I don't universally loathe blockbuster cinema. Uh, I but he's not a Transformer, so how do you like anything <laughs> that he's in? He could be a Transformer. That would be... That would be amazing. Why isn't The uh, Rock You can see me transforming into The Rock thanks to his summer workout regimen. And uh, that's Hercules' workout. Cool. Yeah. Who's getting yeah. paid here? Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't have any trouble with it. I think a lot of the actors in these horrible, 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 horrible movies uh, that people on my Twitter feed are using to help kill cinema are um, are great at what they do. Uh, I and I don't begrudge them that that talent. I don't think that he is nearly as insidious as some of the people who uh, champion his worst movies. But I, uh, The Rock is not the problem. I don't think that The Rock... I don't, I don't, I don't know what you want. Do you want The Rock to be in August Osage County? <gasps> no. Please. To, oh, God. Like, what? Wait, I, I, actually, yes, I'm sorry. Put I him in the Julia Roberts role. <laughs> I don't like that. that. I mean, he would have been much better than Benedict Cumberbatch in that movie. <laughs> no one could have been worse. But the... Uh, I just... I think he is a type... And he does it very well. You may want him to break out of that type, but he may not share I, your interest for that. I don't think I want him to break out of a type. I, I think I want to see him being used to for his skills, for what he can bring to a movie. I actually think he's pretty good in The Scorpion King. Not The Mummy 2, 
which is what Dave was referencing, where he's mostly a CG scorpion. For part oh, of yeah, the time. you're right. Um, but, I don't but in the Scorpion like, King, where his, it's like basically a direct skills... DVD movie where he is running and punching and screaming and being a big brute. I mean, he, he would actually be better skills... served in most of the direct to DVD cinema that we have today than he is in G.I. Joe Retaliation or Fast and the Furious movies. There's too much plot in those movies for this guy what? to. He should be thrown his oh, way right, right. One of his skills is, is sweating profusely enough out of the back of his neck to drown a grown human. And he does that. Specifically David Ehrlich. In all of his movies. So I don't understand when you say that they're not capitalizing on his skills. He is bringing things to these movies that no other human with whom I'm familiar possibly could. It's going to be interesting because eventually he's going to be a DC comic hero and he's going to stand next to Superman and dwarf Superman. Yeah. Well, that that's what it, he's hard to believe in Wait, a modern a dwarf blockbuster. Superman. No. <laughs> Actually, there is, but we shouldn't get into that in this podcast. Um, but I, I have the same problem with The Rock as I do with Angelina Jolie and Katie. I don't know if you remember what I mentioned when we walked out of Maleficent, but when we walked out, I said I can't imagine seeing her in another movie ever again because she is too big for the screen. She has too much personality. She exists. She's, she's something else. She can't play real anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And as movies become more realistic or, or aim to be that, especially comic book movies, how can someone as unrealistic, as gigantic and cuddly and skull crushing as The Rock possibly be in modern blockbusters? Maybe my problem isn't with The Rock and it's just with the movies that we keep going back to, but... Uh, it's not, it's not so much a problem with the blockbusters that are being churned out. It's just that there aren't ones that The Rock can star in. I I can see the benefits of that argument, definitely. I will say that in light of him, this DC thing that he seems very excited about, I do kind of hope that it is Shazam because he's a superhero that is a kid that turns into The Rock. And I think that that's sort of a dynamic that if you're going to have a you know superhero that has that ridiculous of a premise in this weird dark universe they're building i think the rock is the kind of person that you'd want to turn yeah. to for that that'll play so great in big... the nolan verse i mean it's I mean, it might apparently the, that character definitely is going to have to play they've announced but yeah so this it's is it's weird. big the superhero is that the idea what i'm it's sorry like yeah. you the superhero version that every, sounds... every time when when little kid says shazam he turns into the rock i would see that movie tomorrow well, that's it's apparently that's a possibility, but well, like if I Zach Snyder, if Zach Snyder directs, I take back everything I just said. But I also want, I would like in the future for him to continue his sort of, I don't know, satirist of his own body type sense. If he could sort of pull that off, I'd be interested in him well, trying that. I'm just not sure if those are big movies. He's more of a I USO think, tour figure, you know what I mean? Like he should, he yes. he's I mean, basically he's Captain America, circa. 1940 or whatever that movie takes place uh, when he's yeah. going around and just inspiring people. He spent he spent the first half of his cinematic career basically bringing his wrestling fans and convincing them they could also like him as a movie star. So like he's still also that. He still work out wrestling showman all around nice guy who knows about Osama bin Laden stuff. I imagine wrestling fans probably hate The Rock now, but I, I leave that to our listeners to inform us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because he's like a turncoat in some ways. A tur- Wait, really? But like people have to retire from wrestling all the time. 
No, they don't. And aren't aren't wrestlers just actors by a different name? Yeah. So they're well certainly performers. If the wrestler would taught me anything, yeah. Which it, I hope it, it did. did because it did. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I guess that wraps things up about The Rock, who I'll never be done trolling, but I, you know what? Let me say something nice about The Rock. I enjoyed Snitch. That does it for today's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back on Friday to talk about Scarlett Johansson's many powers and Lucy. Maybe some other stuff that's coming out. There's a lot out there right now, surprisingly enough. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet, and I try and put everything on mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and uh, Dave and I do another podcast called Republic City Dispatch, all about the Nickelodeon Legend of Korra, and that is blowing up. That is a good time right now. Uh, so if you watch that, I, w- I would highly recommend listening to that show. Uh, also, we have a website. Oh, my. If, if you're not, if you've already left iTunes reviews, why don't you leave weekly comments for us to read or, or cry ourselves to sleep um, at fightinginthewarroom.com. I'm David Ehrlich. I am the editor-at-large of Little White Lies magazine. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich and at uh, Criterion Corner and also on The Dissolve and sometimes the AV Club. You can find all of us together in one place at Facebook or on Facebook, whatever the kids are saying. I don't even know. I don't know. What's Facebook? The uh, Facebook. Fighting, fighting in the war. The Facebook. It's cleaner that way. I think we can all agree. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You spelled that last part, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S, not with a Z. Please fix all my links. Uh, I write about superhero movie news and Star Wars at latino-review.com. And you can call us and talk to us. And if we love what you have to say or feeling like maybe we have something to add to it, we'll put it on the show and make a segment out of it. That number to give us a call on the old phone machine. Can't text us, but to call us, 914-410-6450. And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fairs Hollywood or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. That's also where you can find the entire podcast, yelling about things and uh, tweeting at you. Usually we uh, respond to almost all the tweets, including someone wanting a podcast recommended with a female voice. Thank you, person. I'm glad you're here this week, Katie. (laughs) I'm glad my voice is female enough for now. Uh, You can also answer this week's lightning round question, which is... In honor of Hercules, what movie, scene, or moment will you actually give Brett Ratner a little credit for? Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you on Friday. Love was so new, we did what we had to.